We welcome all you all that are here, and uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about Israel tonight. Uh, obviously, it's all over the news. I, don't, I, don't, I know people that have sit under me, you know how important Israel is, uh, and to be praying for them and all that. But <clears throat> Israel's, I'm going to say some things that's going to bring things into balance, okay? Uh, how I got keyed in to uh, supporting Israel was a widow woman who loved the Lord in 1991, brought that to my attention, and she shared some stuff with me, and then I started seeing it in the scripture, and we really took off with that. So the first church I pastored, we started supporting Israel. And after we started supporting Israel, within two weeks, 35 families in our church either got a better job or raises. Proved it to us. If you're not helping Israel, you're not fully in God's will. I tell that to churches. I tell it to pastors. If you're not helping Israel, you're not fully in God's will. Your church may be hitting every cylinder but that one. But if you're not helping Israel, you're not fully in God's will. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of scripture in there that encourages us to support Israel. So we're going to pray at the end. And we're going to invite people around the globe to pray with us. Uh, We're going to leave our service up as we pray. But, so... I've written some articles on Israel and on our, our responsibility. Paul said we owe them a debt. Most of your Bible was written by Jews, Old and New Testament. They were given the oracles of God. They were given the, the things of God to hand off. They lost their way, much like the church has lost their way. So the first verse I want to give you tonight, it's familiar to all of you, but I want to give you some context with it after I read it. <clears throat> says, uh, in verse 6 of Psalm 122, says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. So there's a lot being said there. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and those of us who love them will prosper. We saw that. I mean, uh, right off the bat when we started helping Israel. I've seen that at every church I've pastored. Once we start helping them, Financially, the blessings pour in because we're doing what God told us to do in Genesis chapter 12, to bless them. But I want to say a few things to you. This verse does not mean that war is going to stop over there. It's not what we're praying for because there's not going to be any peace in Jerusalem until the Lord returns. So when you pray this prayer... You're praying, let me just turn you over to Revelation, the very last chapter in the Bible, almost the last verse in the Bible, next to the last verse, in Revelation 22, verse 20, John says, he who testifies of these things says, surely I am coming quickly, amen, even so come Lord Jesus. So basically, when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, there's going to be a bunch of wars. This is a skirmish that I believe is leading to this war in Psalm 83. 
But there's going to be a bunch of wars. They're not going to have any peace. They're going to have peace when Yeshua, the Messiah, returns. So what you're praying for, I know we all feel the atrocities. We all, listen, to me, it's, it's no, for me, it was no harder than to watch that video from Nigeria where they slaughtered Christians, where the Muslims slaughter Christians and cut their heads off. It's the same principle. Now, let me tell you something to give you some, uh, unless we get too emotionally involved and don't realize, Israel turned their back on the Messiah. That is costly. It'll cost you and I individually. It costs families. That's why I'm telling you, if you're a family, you need to help. I tell people this for 30-some years now. If all you can give is five bucks to help the Jews, give that five bucks. Do something to help Israel. Because we're commanded to do that. We are blessed for that. We owe them a debt, as Paul said in the New Testament. But their trouble is on them, not because they don't have enough money. Not because, but because they've turned their back on the Messiah. When he came, they've had one... Now, I'm going to get in trouble with both sides. And I have a lot of close friends that are Jews. In fact, let me say this before I get it. forget it. One of my friends is highly tied in with the ambulance service. In Israel, And that's one of the ways we can help them financially if you have a burden for that. We can start sending money because those ambulances, you've already seen that probably. They're in those war zones and everything trying to rescue people. And so <clears throat> we have an opportunity there to bless them <clears throat> and to help keep those ambulances moving and maybe probably even have to buy new ones. How many they're going to need, how many of them are going to be destroyed, we don't know. But one of my friends who's very tied in with Israel over there is tied into that particular group. So Israel has brought trouble on their land because of their rejection of the Messiah. But that does not change our posture toward them. And it does not change God's plan. And I'm going to say something here because I know we all get worked up over politics. But a lot of these things would not happen if we had a different leader in America. Because... It's a whole different model. So a lot of things, I know sometimes we get frustrated with politics and think, why don't you love Israel? Why don't you stand against abortion? Whatever. I understand that. But a lot of these leaders, the Bible says God puts leaders in. He's the one that raises them up. And a lot of things would not happen in the Middle East if every leader in the world was a Christian. <laughs> it just wouldn't happen. And so we know that God's plan is coming together. Let me tell you a couple of things that are going to happen. When you read Psalm 83, and we'll read through it. I don't have time to dissect it tonight. But Psalm 83 is written by Asaph, who's a worship guy. But in 2 Chronicles, it also tells us he's a prophet. So he's prophesying about these ten league of nations that are coming together. And there's a lot of modern-day guys that feel like they've identified those ten nations that are going to come against Jerusalem. And if you will, let's just turn over to Psalm 83 and let's read. Because you, you, this reads like the news. <clears throat> If you, if you read it, it says, uh, do not, here's his cry, here's his prophecy. He says in Psalm 83, Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. And do not be still, O God, for behold, your enemies make a tumult. And those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation. And how many times have you heard that from Islamic groups? 
we don't want Israel to exist. We want to annihilate them. They don't want one Jew left in the church or in the nation, in the world. And he says, uh, they've taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They've said, come let us cast them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. And that, uh, you've probably read some of this. There are textbooks over in the Middle East that don't even have Israel in them. They don't recognize them. They train their children that way. They train their children to hate Jews and hate Israel, which are God's chosen people. There's no question about that. And that we have benefited from their sacrifice because the gospel came to us Gentiles. And he says, for they have consulted together one consent. They form a confederacy against you in the tents of Edom, the Ishmaelites, Moab, the Hagarites, Gebel, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, which is around Gaza there, with the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria, also joined with them, and they have helped the children of Lot, which is around Jordan in those areas. And here's what he says to them. He says, deal with them as with Midian, and as with Sisera, and as with Jabin at the brook of Kishon, who perished at Endor, and who became as refuse on the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, yes, all their princes like Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, let us take for ourselves the pastures of God for a possession. Oh my God, make them like a whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind, as the fire burns the woods and as the flame sets the mountains on fire. So pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded, dismayed forever. Yes, let them be put to shame and perish that they may know that you whose name alone is the Lord are the most high over all the earth. So what I, here's what I see happening. This, this battle that I believe is getting geared up now is going to be those nations around Israel. If you go to uh, Zechariah, he talks about how that, and we may go over there if we have time, how that they are, Jerusalem's going to be a stumbling block to all nations. All right? So we got these groups of people that are mentioned here that are scattered all around Israel. These people are not in the, in the battle of Ezekiel 38 and 39. The, what this prophet is saying is these guys need to be destroyed. So these people are going to be destroyed. In fact, let me take you to Isaiah chapter 17. Let me show you something about this. Is, this is probably what's going to stir the Middle East up. What's going to, does anybody heard of the, the latest... Uh, a defense move that Israel had in the last few months called Chariots of Fire. Does anybody know about that? Yeah, the Chariots of Fire, they've set aside, somebody knew something. The news media and everybody's uh, going bananas, but somebody knew something. They've gotten ready. And did you know that Iran can send a missile and hit Tel Aviv or Jerusalem in six minutes and six seconds? Yeah, Israel's got wonderful intelligence, and we can argue about what happened here, but we know that God can blind people because his plan's going to come to pass. And like we heard, and I'll, I'll never forget what Todd said at the baptism, the reason the world's in this mess is because of you and I. Our sin. Man sinned. We brought sin into this place. Adam and Eve, yeah, they started it, but how many of you looked in the mirror? I ain't got no stones to throw at Adam and Eve. I see myself, I would have blown it in the garden too. The reason our world's in this shape is because of sin. It's not because this 
person didn't get their way or whatever. It's because of sin, when sin entered the race. Now look at uh, Isaiah 17. Let's look at verse 1. Look what he says here. He says, the burden against Damascus in Syria, right? The oldest city in the world, oldest remaining. Behold, Damascus will cease from being a city. And it will be a ruinous heap. The cities of Arior, which are right around Amman, Jordan, these countries are going to get wiped out. Now, I just made some more people mad. These countries are going to get wiped out because the prophet Asaph prophesied that they cease to exist. And when you go into Ezekiel 38 in that war, these are not the same countries because they're gone. They're gone. And you don't think the world will go raise up against Israel when Damascus is destroyed? All the antique people, <laughs> all the sentimental people, all the Muslims, when, when Damascus is destroyed and exists no longer, that's probably what will plunge the world into the next world war. When these countries start being destroyed and annihilated, there may not be a Gaza Strip when this is over. It may be gone. And that's going to tick a lot of people off. And we, we are, we've lost Americans there. We've got more Americans, that, some that we know are hostage or gone, missing. That we, there's probably more. You can't get in and out of the country with commercial flights. All that stuff shut down and probably will be shut down for a long time. They, they believe this war, my contacts believe this war is a protracted war. It's going to last a while. There's going to be a lot more casualties than there are now. And these prophecies are going to start coming into play. I'm going to tell you something. Israel cannot afford to let Iran shoot the first missile. They can't afford to do it. Because it would annihilate half the country. They're going to have to t start taking those nuclear places out. And we're in a world now that's converging on God's plan for the end of time. Isn't it just like God? He, he keeps his word, don't he? And so all the focus has come back to the Middle East, specifically Israel slash Jerusalem. God told us that. How many times have you heard me say over the last many years, keep your eye on Jerusalem, keep your eye on Israel. That's the timetable. They've come back to the forefront. So as these wars kick off, then at some point in there, there's going to be a false peace. Not the one we're praying for in Psalm 122, but a false peace where the Antichrist is going to rise up and try to barter these deals and actually do it, at least temporarily, have these deals between Israel and the rest of the world and try to calm things down. What did Jesus say and Paul when they say peace and safety? Then sudden destruction. There's nobody saying peace and safety now. We've had so much chaos for the last five years in our world. It's, it's up and down. And the world is looking for a man to step on the scene and give them some direction and some peace and settle down their fears. Now, we don't live there. You and I don't live there. We don't have to be afraid, right? To live is Christ, to die is gain. We've got it made. The game's been rigged or fixed for us, right? Because we have trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But this, all this stuff has to play out. So again, I want to remind you, when you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and I do, you're not necessarily praying for this war to stop. You're praying for the Messiah to come back. Because when the Messiah comes back, 
to set up his kingdom, that's when there will be peace. And the Bible says in Isaiah that he'll rule with a rod of iron and the government of the world will rest upon his shoulders and of his kingdom there will be no end. And all, amen, you can give the Lord praise for that if you like. <clears throat> and all the nations will be called to honor him on certain festival times to come up and honor Jesus. So that day will come, but there's going to be a lot of devastation. I want to say this to you, I say it. From now, cheer up, saints, it's going to get worse. Because there's going to be a lot of devastation. Now, the primary cause of this is because of sin. Our sin has brought our own nation, the rest of the world, some of the world is... Uh, you remember what God said when he was sent them into the promised land? He said, uh, we're not going to deal with that yet because their sin is not yet full, right? It's not come to its final end. But I feel like the world's getting there very swiftly. That our world as a whole is coming to the place to where our sin is becoming full and God's going to bring this thing. He's going to land this. And if we remember the prophecy we got in 2020, in September of 2020, the same day this prophecy came forth here, the same day Jonathan Kahn broke that vessel in Washington, D.C., saying that God was finished. And that, that's what the prophet did with Israel. You're broken. Now, here's what we have a promise of. God said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. He'd be with us to the end. So God's on our side. There was light in Goshen even though the rest of the world was facing judgment. And even when, when Josiah became the king, Israel experienced pockets of revival even though the rest of the nation was being judged. So you can maintain that. But you might, listen, we all have family and friends that are not serious with God, right? We need to challenge them. We have family and friends that are thinking everything's going to go the same way it's always went. And that's just not true. This, this thing can change quickly. And just, if, we were, had been in, if we would have been in Israel, we would have seen how quickly it can change in just a moment. Now they're beheading infants, burning people alive. It's horrific what's going on over there. And there's so many things coming into play. But the thing I want you to see more than all that is that God's putting all the pieces in place to finish this, to bring it to an end. Now, we don't know how it's going to happen, but Israel's going to rebuild their temple. Well, if these nations are pretty much annihilated by the time Psalm 83 is over, whenever that kicks off, I don't, I don't know that Psalm 83 is kicked off. It very well could have, but it's getting set up to kick off. When those nations are gone, uh, there may not be a big problem to build on the uh, temple mount. So Israel is going to win this war. When you get into Ezekiel 38, Israel don't really fight there physically. God is the one that turns that, those Magog and Gog, those armies, Gomer. He's the one that turns those back. Those are the armies that are coming out of the north. They're wanting to come and take a spool. And most people believe that's Russia and Germany and, and just different places up there. So when, you, when they make their way down, God's going to supernaturally, and I think the Bible says it's going to take seven months to bury the dead. And then, then he uses an earthquake actually in that war, if you read through there. And then you've also got the battle of Armageddon, where the Lord returns and where he destroys evil and sets up his kingdom. And you'll have... After that, you'll have Satan cast in the bottomless pit. Then the millennial reign will take place, and then there'll be a final tidying up at the end there, which is mind-blowing if you've heard me teach on Revelation, how people would side with Satan. So 
Let's go to Zechariah chapter 12. Let me show you something else here before we get ready to pray. So I, I want you to understand the whole gamut of this. this. Our world's in a mess because of sin. Israel's dealing with a lot of trouble because they turned their back on the Messiah. But in the midst of all that, God is working His plan. All this is working the plan to bring us to an expected end so that we can see the Lord return and really have that peace that we read about and pray for when we uh, come out of Psalm 122 there. So in Zechariah, let me, I'm going, I got Zephaniah, chapter 12. Listen what he says here. He says, the burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. Thus says the Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth. Again, how many times do you hear me say this? God asserts himself as the creator. He makes everything. He's in charge. Over and over lets us know who's in charge. He lays the foundation of the earth. He forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples. Now, if you look at some of the people even in our own country that don't have a clue about the Bible, they have no understanding about Ishmael and Isaac. And they're out there in the streets doing crazy stuff against God, really. They're going against God. If you go against Israel, you're going against God. And they don't even have a clue of what they're doing. They don't have a clue of what they're standing for. And, and so they're, <clears throat> in this case, he says, Jerusalem's going to be a stumbling block, a cup of drunkenness uh, to all surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all the peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces. Now, you'll have some folks that will say, uh, I believe it's the Six-Day War, might have been 1948, but I believe it's uh, one of the wars that they feel like that Psalm 83 was talking about that. But the reason that's not true is because those people are destroyed forever. And those same countries are still up and running. So they didn't get destroyed. They just got pushed back a little bit. But when Psalm 83 takes place, these countries are going to be destroyed. And he says, a heavy stone for all peoples, all who would heave it away... Look what it says about the people who would like to destroy them. They will surely be cut in pieces. Though all nations of the earth are gathered against it, in that day, says the Lord, I will start, strike every horse with confusion and the rider with madness. I will open my eyes on the house of Judah and will strike every horse of the peoples with blindness. So, what I think you're seeing there in Zechariah, you're seeing the following war of Ezekiel coming on the heels at some point after Psalm 83. When, you read, when we read Psalm 83, he says he wants them. Let's go back over there for a minute. He wants them. They, their, their enemies want them, I believe it says, pushed off into the sea. They don't, they, they don't want any remembrance anymore of Israel. And so if you listen to the news or hear people talking about this, that's the same kind of language they're using. In Psalm 83, he says, the psalmist said, do not keep silent. These are all your enemies. And he goes down through there. Those who hate you, uh, they make a tumult. They consider together against your shelter one, speaking of Israel. And look at verse 4. He said, they have come, let us cut them off from being a nation. Now, what's interesting, 
is Israel has been squeezed down to about the size of Maryland already. And they have very little land of what God gave them. And they're squeezed down into very, very, some places it's like nine miles across. So that's a, this war is going to be unbelievable. And they're, they're, and here's the problem is, a lot of the uh, Islam or the Muslims, these other countries wouldn't let them assimilate into their country. They're trying to force them into Israel. So there's a, there's a disconnect even in Islam between their own people. And you saw some of that in Iraq when Saddam was there, how the factions of the people, even though they were all Islamic, they, they, did, they hated one another. And so Israel's having to deal with the fallout over the last many years because a lot of the people who are Islamic or Muslim, they're not able to assimilate into their own countries and they're being forced into Israel. Now you think about this. You think about if that Temple Mount belonged to America... We would not allow somebody else to use it and us not use it. Israel don't go up there. They let them use it. They control who goes in and out of there, but they don't, they don't use it. Now, that wouldn't happen in America. We'd be saying, that's ours. You better go home and get your business straight. But they're being, maybe we should say, overly kind, but it's all got to play into the hands of what God's doing. Now, I'll leave you with a couple of thoughts here. Uh, Bill Clinton was the president who was the closest to bartering peace over there. He got this close. And the reason he couldn't finish it, it was because of the Temple Mount. Now, God uses everybody, right? He uses even things that we hate, right? We're like, how can you do that? But all this plays into God's plan. So Bill Clinton almost had that bartered, but the reason Israel wouldn't finish the deal was because they wouldn't relinquish control of the Temple Mount. And so that Temple Mount belongs to Israel. That's the Solomon's Temple, the Wailing Wall. You all are familiar with that. We have come into a situation now where the whole world is staring at Israel. This happened years ago, and it's probably bigger than this now. But years ago, I read an article where that if the UN met, what good they are, I don't know, but if the UN met, and they had 100 things on their agenda, at least 50 of them would be about Israel. Now you think about that. One country would take up half the time of the UN's time, and that country is about the size of Maryland. But it proves God's word, right? That they've become a rock of stumbling to the rest of the world. What are we going to do with Israel, right? And people are taking sides. Well, here's what I say to you if you saw that little video clip. Come into God's word, find out what he says about it, and stick with that. There are factions in all these large denominations... The Presbyterians have went against Israel for the last 15 years. And I'm going to say it publicly. I'm going to make somebody else mad. They're hemorrhaging churches. They cannot keep them open. They're hemorrhaging them. You can't go against Abraham and be successful. 
And they're not the only group that's done that. But they are so, the reason I don't care to announce it publicly, they write articles about it and everything. They're public about it. But if you look at their stats, they're hemorrhaging churches. They can't keep them open. Because they've went, you can't go against Israel, you can't go against Abraham and expect to succeed. And I would say the same thing about Jesus. You can't go against Jesus and expect to have a good life. It's going to catch you somewhere. So God's going to use this devastation. He's going to use all this to bring his plan together. All right? He's going to, he's going to bring it to its full end so that we'll know, and not only us, we believe already, but the world will know who's God, and he's going to bring his plan. Now, I believe we're close, and that's why I keep this uh, hourglass here. I believe there's a good chance we're that we'll, be, we'll see Jesus when he comes back. I believe the terminal generation kicked off in 1967. I don't believe it was 1948. Obviously, 1948 had to happen before 67. That's all part of the process. But Jesus, in Luke 21, he hinges it on Jerusalem. He said, when Jerusalem is no longer trodden down or basically controlled by the Gentiles, then he goes through a list of some other signs there about the end of time. He says, no, that this generation will not pass till it's finished. And that happened in 1967. So we are that terminal generation. We don't know if the Lord's coming back this year, next year, whatever. But we can understand and know that that day wouldn't catch us off guard like Paul and Jesus both told us that we know. So as you see these things happening here, you should be excited. Nobody likes to see anybody die, but especially the way children and stuff are dying. But you've got to get it in your heart and mind to understand that God's got a great, a lot, a lot larger perspective than we have on this. He's already been around the corner before we get there. And our method of redemption is Jesus Christ. That's the only method of redemption we have. There's no other way to be saved. There's no other way to overcome. No other way to have eternal life. Some of my closest friends are Orthodox Jews. They are blinded. They don't... Some, a few Jews, what, what we call Messianic Jews, that some of them, their eyes have been opened. They believe, like Jonathan Kahn and the guy that I brought in here, Steve Herzig. He's an outcast, his whole family, because he's accepted Jesus as the Christ. So there are some Jews that have trickled in, but most of them are blinded. And Paul said they're blinded because of their sin and their unbelief. And they, did, they didn't recognize the Messiah, though he was standing on their steps and talking to them. Now, I'll say this. I think the same can be true of a lot of Americans. We've got Bibles in all our hotel rooms. We've got preachers on the radio, all over the Internet, all over television, radios, whatever. And we have so many people in this country that continue to turn a deaf ear to the Lord. Continue to do that. That's not going to end well for them. It's just not going to end well. All of us are going to have trouble. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver him out of them all. So we got a promise of deliverance. We don't have a promise of escaping trouble, but we do have a promise of deliverance. That's the good news. Suffering 
helps us could be conformed in the image of Christ. The Bible even talks about Jesus suffering and what it did for him. So if Jesus went through some suffering, guess what? <laughs> We're all going to go through some suffering. But as we see this unfold, I want you to be excited. He said, when you see all this stuff happening, he said to look up for your redemption draws nigh. I want you to be able to have compassion on the Palestinians who are blind. They're blind. Do you know what it would be like to get out of that if you're raised to hate somebody from the time you're old enough to understand? It'd be a challenge, wouldn't it? But God said it's not his will that any would perish, but that all would come under repentance. So we need to pray for them. As we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we're praying for the Lord to come back. I don't want to disappoint you, but I, I got to tell you the truth. There ain't going to be no peace over there. There's going to be a false peace that's not going to last very long when this Antichrist stands up. But from here until Jesus brings his kingdom back, that's not what the Bible's saying there. The Bible's trying to get us to pray for the Lord to return. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's the answer. That's how there's going to be peace over there. But until that time comes, Ishmael and Isaac are going to keep duking it out. And then they're going to drag other nations into it because people are going to start choosing sides. I'll leave you with this thought before we go into prayer. Any of us can be deceived. So try. It's hard for me to do sometimes. When I got that video from Nigeria, it was hard for me to have compassion on the people who slaughtered them. But try to remember that all of us can be deceived. And so we were all deceived at one time. Have compassion on people. Pray for the salvation of the Lord to open itself up to the lost, no matter what nationality they belong to. And it sure looks like Egypt's going to return to the Lord in the Scripture. I don't know when that will happen. But if you think about it, no nation has ever seen the power of God any clearer than Egypt. They saw it. They saw it more. Well, it makes sense to me. We're bringing our young people back tonight to pray with us tonight. So I want you to just keep this moment, this solemn attitude, and let's, uh, we're going to start some music. Uh, you can come up here and pray in the altar. You can pray in your seat, whatever you want to do. And we'll conclude here in a few moments. But let's, let's pray for God's will to be done. Let's pray for the seed of Abraham. Let's pray for the lost, no matter what nationality they are. Some of them may be in your own family tree. Let's pray for God's will to be done. Okay? What did Jesus say? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And that's hard for us to step back and see because I'm thinking, God, won't you stop that now? Right? Just stop it now. Why does another... But he's got a lot more insight into that than we do. That's where trust comes in. Amen? You guys can... Dim the lights a little bit. Find you a place to pray. You can come up here and pray. You can go ahead and start the music. And we'll just pray for all these, the whole world. We need to be praying for the whole world. Amen. Lord, our confidence will not be shaken. We believe every prophecy from Genesis through the book of Revelation. We know your word is true. We know it will stand when the world collapses. 
You said heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will come to pass. We believe Psalm 83. We believe the book of Revelation. We believe Ezekiel 38 and 39. We believe John 3.16. We believe you sent your son to take our place on that cross. We believe it. We believe that Israel is your chosen people. And we believe that us that believe on the Messiah, your only begotten Son, that we've been grafted into the same tree. We believe that you love all those who follow in the faith of Abraham. We believe that you've given us eternal life. And to those people that are in the Middle East or anywhere else in the world, they can all have peace individually if they'll live, look to your Son. They won't have to fear death. They won't have to fear Satan. They won't have to fear the enemy. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And we have no doubt, Father, that what's going on in the Middle East will come out exactly the way you planned it. Exactly the way you said it. Every nation will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And so we lift. We pray that your will will be done in America. In the Middle East, we pray, Lord, that Your will will be done in Russia and in China and in South America and Australia and Canada. We pray, Lord, that Your will will be done in India and in all of Europe, Lord. We pray that Your will will be done. And for those that are on Antarctica, we pray, Lord, that Your will will be done. And we trust You, Lord, because we know not one jot or tittle will pass away till it's all finished. We know that nothing has caught you off guard. And so we celebrate our, our citizenship in heaven. Because we know that you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. You'd be with us to the end. Say it with me. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Give Him some praise. He's worthy. This is the prophecy from September the 26th, 2020. I want to keep it in front of you. America has missed its day of visitation. Therefore, she will begin to grope as men in Sodom at Lot's door. The righteous will be strengthened, but the wicked will wax worse and worse. I think we're seeing that. Going forward, value will be in things that sustain life. America has lost its way in leading the world to the throne of God. The protection will remain for those who fully trust in the Lord, but will evaporate from those who trust in themselves and the systems of this world. God is coming to the earth, and the earth has not made proper preparation. Soon the world will begin to shake and will start its final descent toward its appointment with its Creator. And then true justice will appear, and no one will be able to escape the appearance of God's glory and His justice. All these things have to play out, but what are we supposed to do? Look up, because our redemption draws nigh. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So, we want to encourage you to keep praying for Israel. Pray for that whole situation. Uh, and lift that God's will will be done over there. Pray for the lost. There's so many people that are dying. Probably plenty of them are lost. So, we want to pray that <laughs> they'll find salvation. People that are in harm's way. 
because we're just passing through down here. Our life here is but a vapor anyway. And so we want to make sure, we want to try to lead as many as people as we can to the Lord and pray for those who are lost that God would open their eyes to salvation. And I want to say to you that are watching or get this video, even though the world's not going to experience peace until the Lord comes back, you can have it individually. You can have peace through Jesus Christ. You can have peace in the middle of a storm. You can live that life that most of us have found out here. That you don't have to be afraid to die anymore. To live is Christ and to die is gain. The game's rigged for us that believe in Jesus. We got it made. Amen. Mm -hmm.